nice to see you. It is nice to hear you. Hey, was anybody here at the youth fundraiser last night? Anybody here? Oh, man. Woo! That was nuts. I tried to get in the inflatables, and they told me that my parents needed to be with me so they wouldn't let me in the castles. Now, I'm actually not joking. They wouldn't let me in. It was really hard. Uh, but my kids went, and they won a Nerf gun, and it was a... It was a late night in my house last night because they were all hyped up on the sugar. Yeah, it was awesome. It was super good. Hey, it's really good to see you guys this, this morning. Uh, and we're going to keep going in the life of Joseph, Joseph, kind of. And I know what you might be thinking. You might be thinking, but Scott, we just finished Joseph last week. Weren't you here? And I would say yes, I was here. And that we're going to go back through and... Uh, you know, Joseph reminds us a lot of somebody. He reminds us of Jesus. And uh, today we want to talk a, a little bit about uh, some, some foreshadowings of Jesus found in uh, the life of Joseph. Sometimes these are called types. When, when uh, things in the Old Testament kind of prefigure things in the New Testament. And so what's really cool is that today we get to kind of talk about some themes in Joseph and just some really profound parts of the story of Joseph that also kind of point forward to Jesus and what he's done for us uh, on the cross, what he's done for us in his life, his death, his resurrection. And, um, and, and then we get to also talk about what it means for us. So, so just to be clear, we're going to talk about three types and each each type has three parts to it. It has what Joseph did, the, the thing that is the foreshadow, uh, how it's kind of for, fulfilled in Christ and kind of drawn out in him and what it means for us. So we have a lot of ground to cover today. I'm super excited because we get to talk about Joseph and Jesus today. So let's pray and then we're going to dive in. Um, Lord, it is it's so good to worship you this morning and it's just so good to hear the voices in here and sing together and just declare you our king. And, and I, I thank you, Lord, for the work you've done for us uh, on the cross. And that, uh, Lord, by, by faith, uh, we can know you this morning. We can have a relationship with you this morning. We can, we can hear your word and with open ears. And we just thank you for that. We pray this morning as we are gathered and we, as we uh, go to the word together that you would just open our ears and our eyes, that you would grow us, that you would encourage and comfort us, Lord, that you would challenge us, and that uh, even right now this morning, you would just make us a little bit more like you. Lord, we love you, and we're so glad to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few things about Joseph that are really interesting today. You know, I was thinking about how the story all starts this week. And I was thinking, you know, it's, you know, that the book of Genesis, there's, it's kind of a dark book in some ways. Like, you know, I mean, things are good for like a couple chapters, you know, and then there's, uh, there's the fall and there's, uh, you know, there's the spreading of nations, there's a flood, there's murder, there's hate, there's um, separation. And, and even in, um, you know, the, the family of God, there's just, there's, there's discord and dishonesty and, um, and all sorts of different things. And, and we live in, in a fallen world. We, we live in a world where things are not always the way uh, that, that they should be. And, and the Bible has a really simple explanation for that. And it's just sin. It's, it's a fallen nature. And, and so Joseph, um, you know, the first type is we just jump right in is that he sees rejection um, because the, um, 
uh, and that's, that's the first thing. Uh, so uh, w- when, I was, uh, when I was 19, so I, I was friends with somebody that goes to Gateway. You guys might know him, David Califf. Uh, and, and I was just kind of, he was kind of my gateway into Gateway. And we used to go out every week and we would just talk about Jesus. We'd talk about scripture uh, and just kind of, we just had really good fellowship together. And we used to go to this pizza place out in Fisher's Landing all the time. And this one time these two guys um, came into the shop and, uh, and I remember because they drove a Mercedes and then they got out in like golf clothes and it was kind of like, oh, you know, and these guys, you know, they get out and they walk through the door and they, uh, they, they order. The, and and I, I just noticed because I noticed things. And then I kind of got back to the conversation. Uh, you know how it is when you're out at a restaurant and you start to to hear a scene unfolding like over here somewhere. And you know, somebody's not happy about something, something is wrong. And you're like, I don't wanna eavesdrop cause it's rude and I don't wanna stare cause it's weird, but you're like, you know. And it was kind of like that, right? And so these guys, they're upset because their pizza has been taking too long to, to get made. And so they are upset about it. And so that's not like that interesting. So we kind of get back to our conversation, but it escalates. Right, and pretty soon these guys are like shouting. And one of these guys is kind of a big guy. And I see these guys are like, I don't know, mid-50s or something like that. And, and so this guy, it, it escalates even more and even more and even more. And all of a sudden this guy is like spitting in this girl's face across from the counter. And it's like, goodness gracious, like at some point, like is somebody supposed to step in or like what happens here? And, and so we, get, we kind of try to carry on for a little bit. I like nervously got up to get some water and like kind of like there's maybe like 10 families or so in there and everyone's kind of looking at each other like what are we supposed to do? So the cops get called, right? And these guys are getting, they start like knocking things over. It just, it's getting worse and worse. It's like the, the, it's just out of control. And, um, and, and so finally the one guy says to the other golfer guy, he's like, let's get out of here before the cops come. And he's like, yeah. So they like knock over something else and they, they go back through the door. So the first guy makes it through the door and the second guy makes it through the door kind of. And like, as he crossed through the doorway, the whole room, everybody was just like, ah. you know how that is? And when like all the tension in the room like leaves the room and you can breathe again, it was like that. And David, I think in an in effort for comic relief, which totally works by the way, he was like, and, and nobody said anything. It was just quiet. The whole restaurant was just like, oh my goodness, what happened? And he just goes, ha, nice guys, right? And everyone was kind of like, ah, ha, ha, ha. But he said it just like too soon because the door swung back open and the guys came back in and this guy, the big guy, he's like, who said that, right? And I do not know why, but he looked right at me, right? <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't move. I think I was just like holding my water, like, you know. And uh, he comes over to me and he gets close and I'm like, oh no, you know. And then he gets closer and pretty soon he's like on me and I'm like backed up against uh, the soda machine. And I don't remember what he was saying. It was wet and loud and... Um, you know, and I was, I didn't know what to do. And, and uh, finally his friend came back and he was like, let's get out of here before the cops get here. It's like, they don't think he knew how to say So they finally leave and then they're gone. They get in their Mercedes and drive away. And um, <laughs> it was funny this week, I was like, man, did that even really happen? That sounds kind of nuts. So I called David and I was like, David, do you remember that time we were at pizza and those two guys, he's like, and the Mercedes pull up. He's like, yeah. He's like, that was crazy. And he's like, and I remember it because I was standing right next to you. And when the guy had you all pinned up against the soda machine and he goes, I was not going to admit that it was me. So that was it. And it was one of the first times ever that I realized that there was something that was not right in the world. 
Uh, you know, and I probably realized it before, but we all have these like profound experiences where we realize there's just, there's something wrong and, and there's something wrong with, with people. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it, it, it flows over the top. I'm not justifying these guys by, by any means, uh, but it was just one of those times where it was like, man, there's, there's something wrong. And, and maybe because it was in Fisher's Landing, I don't know. It was just a strange time. And so there's something wrong in the world. And, uh, you know, and the Bible talks about this as sin. And, uh, you know, one thing about sin is that, you know, the, the darkness just doesn't love the light. And people do what's right in their own eyes. And, and, uh, and there's just something wrong uh, in the world. And you know what? This is kind of how the story of Joseph starts, you know, uh, early on in the story, uh, we see that there's, there's hate and his brothers can't say anything nice to him. This just sums it up a little bit. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and they could not speak peacefully to him. Uh, I used to fight with my sister. She was like truthfully a little bit tougher than me. Uh, and, uh, you know, but man, we didn't, we didn't hate each other you know. Uh, and, and so we've talked quite a bit about kind of the dysfunction um, in the family. But one thing becomes really clear that Joseph dreams, uh, Joseph's dream from the Lord, uh, his brothers completely reject it. They reject his dreams. They reject him. And so when there's an opportunity to betray, it's almost like they're waiting for it and they can't, they can't pass it up. It's just too good of an opportunity. So Joseph is rejected by his people. He's rejected by his family. And, uh, and he's going to be uh, killed, but uh, of course he's sent away as a slave. And that might remind you of somebody else. Um, somebody uh, who, who came and was rejected, uh, profoundly rejected. And of course that person um, is Jesus. Uh, John sums it up this way, and it says this, that he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And there's a lot of stories about how um, the, the Pharisees and various people did not believe Jesus. They did not like what he had to say. They did not believe what he had to say. Sometimes even in, in the midst of really amazing miracles, they still didn't believe. There's one story that's kind of sticking out uh, recently, and, and it's in John, when Jesus raises Lazarus. And get the sense that this is just this really amazing thing that happens. It says many are, are believing, and, and, and this is a really powerful event, but there's some who don't believe. And so they go and they, they start convening with, um, with others, and, uh, and, and Caiaphas is, is brought into it. And, and he, he says this thing that it, it, it's better uh, for, for one man to, to die than for a, a nation uh, to, to, to perish. Uh, as, as he says, here's his words, he says, Nor do, do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. There is a lot of different reasons for rejecting Jesus. There's a lot of different reasons for not believing him. Have you ever noticed that even today, people just have their reasons for thinking what they think? Now, of course, that's an interesting statement because Jesus did die for others. He did die uh, for, for the people. And, and as uh, Caiaphas is saying something that's evil and out of disbelief and to kind of solve this problem, uh, John points out that, th that there's, there's a prophecy that's, that's happening too. And, and so it's almost like as as what people mean for, for evil, God means for good. Does that sound a little familiar? 
familiar at this point. And, and, and so, so Jesus kind of, we see this, that he's rejected, um, but, um, but he's, not, he's not ultimately, um, it's not over. God's still in control. Uh, for, for us today, uh, not only is that good news for us because of what God worked through that, that his, his death and uh, resurrection is, is good news for us today who put our faith in him, um, but he, he also warns us too, that if the world hated him, uh, it might probably hate us too. And, and here's what he says in uh, John. He says, he's talking to his disciples about abiding and, and being in him. And he says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, um, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And I think, you know, one of the things that kind of comes out of that passage for me is, is that there's a warning that our lives, as we follow Jesus, and as we know Jesus more, and as what's valuable to him becomes valuable to us, and we listen to what he says, and he changes us from the inside out, we start to look different from other people. Our values become different. The way we live our lives, the way we make decisions becomes different. And the darkness doesn't always understand the light. And so, uh, and so I was thinking about today how, how many Christians try to conform to look more like the world. But Jesus just says that it, 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 won't, it won't mix. It, it's, it's dark and it's light. It's like, so at, at my house recently, my kids have, have just now like started sleeping through the night. Amen. And, uh, and so they are, they're sleeping at night and all of a sudden... <laughs> The tables have turned and I'm waking them up in the morning. And I'm really proud of that. But you know, when I turn on the lights in the morning and I enjoy it like just this much, but uh, when I turn on the lights in the morning, it's like, good morning, guys. It's not like, oh, good morning, Father. I love you, right? It's like, no, right? The, the light. And there's something about light and dark. There, there's something that's not right in the world. And so, um, so as the church is, is built up and as the people of God um, are, are living on, uh, th- there will be rejection and there will be things that we walk through as we walk with Jesus. And so, um, you know, as we think about Joseph who experiences rejection and our Savior who experienced rejection, we're warned that we too are going to experience some rejection in this life. And so I think it kind of, I, I think, of it, uh, means that we should be people of prayer. Uh, we, should, we should know the Lord and we should know what we believe. We should, we should know the word. There's power in the word. There's, there's power in worship when we, when we stand and when we declare the truth of God together, when we confess it together, there's power in that. There's power in that. Uh, there's power in edification as we encourage one another, as we build one another up. There's, there's power in that. And, and, and it gives strength to endure. It, it gives strength to be a light in a dark place. Um, so this is kind of this first thing that Joseph was rejected. Uh, and, and Jesus was rejected. And, and for us, it means that we will see some rejection too in our lifetime. The second one is this, that Joseph has relationship. Uh, and, and in the story of Joseph, w- one of my favorite parts is when he goes to Egypt and, and it says that God was with him. And that no matter where he goes or, 
or, or which household he's living in, that God intervenes and uh, he just makes Joseph this favorable guy. He gives him power. He ends up, uh, you know, basically running Potiphar's house, the, the, the jail, and then he's running all of Egypt. And, and it's not because Joseph is this great guy and he's likable and he's got a good smile. It's because God is with him. And in fact, so as Joseph is rejected, as he's taken to Egypt, which uh, away from the people of, of promise, you know, away from, from the lands where, where, where that exists. You know, he's, he's in Egypt and, and he's with, he's with a, a new people. He's with strange deities, a new culture. I wonder if he ever felt far from God. But one thing that, uh, that the scriptures make very clear is he was not far from God. In fact, it says eight times that Yahweh was with him. It, it sticks out uh, quite a bit. It, um, so with Joseph, we see that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man uh, and he was in the house of uh, his Egyptian master. And so, uh, so we just see that God was with Joseph and it changed things for Joseph. He had this, he had this relationship with God. He had this, he had this faith in God uh, because God was just at work in his life. And I think over time, as God kind of um, humbled Joseph and as Joseph saw God work uh, again and again and again, he just demonstrates faith in God and he demonstrates just a special relationship uh, with, with the Lord there. Um, and, and so with Jesus, uh, we see that not only is uh, Jesus close with God and like a Trinitarian, you know, he is, uh, you know, the, the part of the Trinity way. Like, okay, for example, when Jesus is being baptized, uh, it says, uh, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened up to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And what's cool is you see all three people in the Trinity there. You see uh, the Spirit descending and, uh, and you hear the Father and, and you see the Son. But in, in a, a much more interesting way, uh, Jesus is God. And uh, he, uh, he is uh, powerful because he is God. He's 100% man and he's 100% uh, God. And, and I've been really interested in this lately. Uh, I, I've been into archeology span lately and I've been uh, kind of more into like the geography of like places that Jesus really went and things he did. And, and it's amazing to me that, that though Jesus was God, he walked like one of us and he went to real places and talked to real people. And, uh, and, and so I, I think the, the the real miracle here is, is that, not that Jesus was, was close with God, which he models a relationship uh, with the Father, but that Jesus was himself God and he was here with us and is with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And what this means for us is so incredibly profound. So I play a game in my house a lot these days. Uh, you probably know it, it's called hide and seek. Uh, and uh, my, my kids are quite a fan of hide-and-seek, not Sophia yet, but John, Mark, and Theo are big hide-and-seek players. And uh, so, so I've talked about our house quite a bit. We, we have a 
basement in our house. And our kids are not really allowed in the basement because it's sort of finished, not finished. Like we haven't really kept up on it. And like the cement is, it's got like cracks in it. It's got chunks missing out of it. There's like a, a heater in the middle of one of the rooms. The rooms are all kind of makeshift. It's just drywall. My house was built in 1930. The stairs that go down are not like the stairs at your house probably. It's like more of like a wooden ladder configuration with a nice cement platform at the bottom. And uh, so long story short, it's super dangerous. We don't let our kids play down there until recently. And, uh, and part of what's changed is they're just getting a little bit old. We just can't always keep them out of there, it seems. But the biggest thing is that we're hoping to get started with the remodel in our house soon. And so we're moving stuff out. So we've been working down there a lot. And so, uh, so our kids have been down there helping with various things. And, and so this has opened up like a new chapter of hide and seek where they want to play in the basement. And not just that, but they want to turn off the lights when it's dark and play in the basement. Now, my friend affectionately has dubbed my basement the help me basement because it looks like where prisoners are kept. And maybe they were at one point, I don't know. But it is a, it is a genuinely creepy place. When Anna and the kids are gone, I lock the door because it's creepy down there. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know, you would too probably, it's scary. Uh, you know what I've noticed is that when I'm with my kids, they're brave. When I'm with my kids, they're not afraid of that. That doesn't even phase them, not for a second. Uh, and and, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, I would like to think it's because I'm ripped out of my mind, but there's no secrets here. I'm not. Uh, I think it's because they know I'll do anything to protect them. Uh, I'm always thinking about what's good for them and, and kind of making boundaries for what they're allowed to do and not, and that I love them. And I think there's something about, like, there's something kind of wonderful about how kids trust their parents and how kids trust their dads. I mean, it has a special place in my heart right now. And how much more than should that be true for us uh, with our Father in heaven? Jesus talks about this, that we don't need to worry because God loves us. He sees us. He's taking care of us. And I think this is one of the really wonderful thing that, that comes out of the story of Joseph is that God sees what he's going through and he's, he's interfering in it. He's intervening in it because he doesn't just watch from afar and let our lives play out like, like, you know, he's not affected by any of it. He's in it with us and he's working things together for the good. Psalm 23 says it this way, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or Egypt, or wherever the hard place in your life is right now, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Joseph has a relationship. He trusts God. He, he knows God has good in store for him. And, and I think this is something that we, we, we see in Jesus um, as, as he is God with us. And as we know Jesus and as we trust Jesus and as we walk with Jesus, it's something for us to experience too, that he's with us uh, and, uh, and that even the darkest dark is not too dark for him. And, um, and so this is something that's brought me a lot of encouragement this week, uh, thinking about Joseph's um, connection with uh, the Lord. Uh, the, the last one is this, and, and it's just this, that, that Joseph demonstrates humility. I don't think that sounds like much uh, at first, but it's when you start thinking about the type of consistent 
humility that Joseph demonstrates. And, and I think the Lord kind of does humble him. And I think um, maybe perhaps it is a process. But one thing is for sure is that when Joseph is in Egypt, and uh, when he's in the house of Potiphar, when he is... Um, when he's in the jail and when he's under Pharaoh, uh, Joseph isn't a leader who leads boastfully. He doesn't lead uh, pridefully. Uh, Joseph is a servant and he is humble. He, he makes himself low and, and, and he, he thinks about others. Uh, I think one of my favorite moments in the series over the last couple of months uh, was when uh, Bob was bringing out the fact that uh, Joseph even though he was imprisoned and a slave and his life had not been fair, he notices when others are upset. He notices other people. And, and there's this story about when uh, the cupbearer and the baker, they, they have these dreams. And it, and it says this, that when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials, why do you look so sad today? And, and I love that. I love that Joseph, even though his life hasn't been fair, even though he's in Egypt and in this jail, he's still noticing other people. They, they're not uh, approaching him. He's noticing them. Other people are on his radar. And, and of course, this is something really beautiful because it sort of points forward to another leader, somebody who would come and serve people. And, and this wasn't going to be the person that was going to zealously come on a war horse and, and destroy people. And um, th th this, this was Jesus. And, and, uh, and Jesus comes humbly. He comes as a baby. He comes uh, riding a, a, a donkey, and uh, and he, he's just he's he's not um, he's not the king that uh, people were expecting, and that's why so uh, many rejected him. Um, Philippians two says it this way, and and this is doxology from the early church, uh, and so Paul writes this. He says, "Having this mind, uh, have this mind among yourselves." which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And therefore God has highly exalted him and he's bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, you know, I love the part in there where um, it talks about uh, that he didn't consider uh, his equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't hang on to it. That's not, that, that he, he didn't come uh, with a type of authority that he lorded over other people. Um, he, he came as a servant and he modeled that for us. And he was humble. He's gentle and he's lowly. And we're blessed when we follow in his humility. Uh, for us today, uh, you know, we think about how Joseph, uh, even though God put him in these places of power, he was humble. Uh, he served other people. He thought about other people. You think about Jesus, the king of kings, and he's humble. And he thinks about others and he serves others. And he tells us that we should do that too. And I think about um, us today and we're certainly to live in that humility as well.
Uh, in the book of First Peter, uh, you know, he's writing to uh, people who are suffering and they're being rejected and there's some persecution and some suffering and things like that. And uh, he, uh, there's a couple of times he brings out that people should be humble towards one another. Something really beautiful when people are humble to each other. And at one point he's talking about the elders in the church and he's talking about young people. And, and he says uh, this, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And I love that he opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Um, I was 15 when I started leading worship. My dad was a pastor in Troutdale and there was a little church there. And there was kind of a need for somebody to regularly lead songs. And I was not good enough and I was not ready to do that. And I kind of got thrust into it. Um, not against my will, but it was, it was terrifying. And you know, my guitar was like bigger than me at this point. And, and you know what I remember about those days? Um, is I remember that little church. There was a lot of older people in it. And I remember the way that people came around and encouraged me. And, and, that, and there were some other musicians in the church. And, and they, would, they would always kind of keep me going. They would always encourage me. I mean, there, there was times where the song would fall apart in, the, in church. You know what I mean? We'd, we'd be halfway through a song and I'd just lose it. Uh, right, it was hard to find a song in a singable range because I did not have a range. Uh, it, it was hard. It, it was hard to lead music. I think it was hard for me. I think it was hard for them, honestly. But they were so encouraging. And I remember other musicians in the church just humbly, instead of making me feel insecure and knocking me around, they were, they were so humble and they would just come alongside and, and they would help. And, and I can't tell you what a powerful experience that was in my life. As a matter of fact, when I think about many powerful experiences in my life, it often involves somebody who was humble and somebody who was serving and, and, and doing something that I didn't necessarily deserve. And, and, and Peter says that, that that's how we're to be towards one another. We're to think about each other first. We're to build one another up. We're to spur one another on. We're to model that humility of Jesus and serve uh, one another and think about each other in these ways. Uh, Psalm uh, 25, 9 says this. I love this verse. It says, he leads the humble in what is right and he teaches the humble his way. And I, I love that. I love that God doesn't just say, okay, go. It says, he'll do this with us. He'll help us. He'll give opportunities to practice humility. He'll give you opportunities to demonstrate that humility. As we study his word and as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, he has a way of doing that. He has a way in, of placing us in places to be humble and to serve one another. And, and, uh, and, and so, and not just in the church, but in our families. You know, I, I think about like being a dad and, and you know, so, so how do we exercise humility with our family? How do we consider our, our, our wives to be more important than us? And, and how do we elevate our, our kids and how do we encourage them? I think about, you know, where, wherever your Egypt might be or, or wherever your lives might be during the week, how, how do we humbly serve where we're at? How do we be a blessing? Well, 
the Lord leads us and he's with us and he's opening up divine encounters for us to be humble, to lead by example, to, to lead with our actions and, uh, and, and to, to love one another. And uh, so there's just something about that humility that is sweet and it's so, it's so good. It's good if you've experienced it. And here's the exciting part to me is that we all get to be a part of it because we're uh, instructed in scripture over and over again to be humble with one another, to serve one another. I mean, all of these wonderful things kind of start here with each other. It starts with how we talk with one another and how we treat one another, how we respond to one another, how we think of one another. And these things uh, are really encouraging. So as we think about Joseph, as we think about uh, somebody who is so encouraging in scripture, who, who models such um, servanthood, who models faith, somebody who lives a, a life of just demonstrating the power of God. Um, you, you know, we, we think about somebody who points forward to somebody who would do all of these things and more. And, and somebody who would humbly serve us by dying on a cross and, and living a life we couldn't live. So that by faith, uh, we could have a relationship with God. We could know him firsthand. And, and we get to be part of that. We get to demonstrate that with one another. Uh, and we get to practice and exercise that same mindset, that same humility uh, that is alive in you and me today. And so these are just uh, a few of the ways that Joseph points forward to Jesus. But I think as you can see that all of these things have really immediate application for how you and me live our lives uh, this week. And so um, I hope this has been uh, encouraging to you. Here's just kind of something to remember this week. It's, it's this, it's just important to remember that God is with you. And uh, even in the rejection, uh, even in, in your, your, your small groups, in your families, that God is, is with you. And, um, and, and I, I feel like uh, this is gonna be a good week. Uh, and, and the better if we can remember that God is with us and if we can put that into, into real practice. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us. And then we are gonna celebrate a couple baptisms tonight, or, uh, this morning. And I'm super excited about that. So let me pray. And uh, then we're going to get on with uh, this morning. Uh, well, Lord Jesus, uh, you have demonstrated humility for us. And you've done what we couldn't do, Lord. And, and, and Lord, I, I pray today that um, as we continue to study your word and as we uh, continue to pursue you and know you more, grow in our relationships with one another, uh, that you would grow our faith Lord, I pray that you would, you would humble us. And Father, this week, I just pray that um, as we go back home and we go into our workplaces and we go into our classrooms and just different places that you would remind us this week that we're not going alone, but that you're with us and that uh, you've given us some really good instruction on how to be light in dark places. Lord, this week, I pray that you'd give us opportunities to serve each other pray that you'd give us opportunities to uh, demonstrate humility, Lord, and that we would know you more, we'd trust you, and that we'd grow in our relationships with you and just know you a little more this week. Father, we thank you for uh, just getting to celebrate a couple baptisms today. And Lord, uh, we pray that um, you would just be blessed today. 
and you would be exalted today. In Jesus' name.